Hello and welcome back to the season finale of the Across the Pond podcast with myself, Harry Kerwin. The podcast that takes you through the journey of moving to the United States as a student athlete to play soccer. I call it the Across the Pond podcast, but we've actually got a new name. The new name is the Across the Pond Scholars podcast. Due to the trademarking issues, we had to change that name. We're still figuring out the details, but it looks like for the second season, we're going to be following the same kind of format and interviewing guys that I've played against or met across my journey of being out here in the United States. I really loved having Paul on last week. I had a really fun and exciting conversation with him. I'm really glad we got to get him on. If you've liked what you've heard, please follow us on Spotify or Google Podcasts so you can keep up to date with all our new episodes. And we're still on social media with the same names. On Instagram, our username is Across the Pond Pod. And our Twitter handle is pond underscore podcast. Please go and follow and share so we can get our content out to all those who it may benefit. Thank you very much. Hello and welcome back to episode 10 of the Across the Pond podcast with myself, Harry Kerwin. We got it on the second time, um, but I finally, I finally got in there with the intro- introduction. It's, I'm really excited about this one today. It's someone who has recruited and actively coached every single guy that has been on this podcast so far. Um, and he was my head coach for the full four years of, of my journey out here to the United States. I'm really excited. So welcome, welcome Tim Wells. How are you doing today? I'm good, Harry. It's good to hear your voice again. Yeah, I know. It's, you're, probably, you're probably sick of it after a couple of, a couple of phone calls a <laughs> few months ago, but uh, we're, we're, we're back in the game. So, so how's everything going for you at the minute? How, how's life during, during Yeah, the- life's, life's really good. You know, it's, it's been nice sitting around the house, being around the family. Oh, that's a thunderstorm getting ready to hit my house. <laughs> Uh, but, the podcast there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's good. I like I said, it's been fun sitting around the house. I'm, I'm having a great recruiting year this year. Yeah. Uh, so that's fun to look forward to, and hopefully the pandemic will pass through us and we'll get our season in. Yeah, that's what that's what everybody's got their fingers crossed for at the minute. And how, how's the family doing as well? How's Stacy, Logan, Davis, uh, and Gracie? Grace. Yeah, everybody's good. Logan and Logan's getting ready to go back to play her sophomore year at Western Kentucky University. Davis and Gracie are getting ready to play for Louisville City, uh, their academy that they're starting up. Gracie's getting ready to make her final decision on where she's going to go to college. Um, you know, she had a great senior, uh, junior year this year. She was up for like player of the year and uh, Courier Journal player of the year and stuff like that. So, uh, and then Stacy's fantastic. Her work's keeping her really busy and I think she enjoys me being around the house. Good. Happy days. I'm, I'm glad to hear and I'm glad to hear the family's doing well as well. So, yeah. Obviously, they, they enjoy listening to the podcast too, by the way. Well, that's what I was about to talk into. I was going to say, obviously, we're on episode 10. From what I hear, you, you've been listening in, you've been tuning in, and you've been listening yeah. to hear if we've thrown you under the bus too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty funny because after each one, I either get text messages or I, you know, I go to school and somebody will come up to me and say, you know, hey, did this bother you? And I'd say, no, this stuff doesn't bother me. And, you know, most of it's been really good, though. Like, yeah. it's it's nice to hear so much of the nice things that the guys say and, you know, stuff like that. It shows you're doing it the right way. And you're not you're not always going to do stuff that everybody agrees with. Yeah. But that's okay. That's just kind of – that's just how coaching is, you know. We have the only profession – I say this all the time, Harry. You and I, we have the only profession that everybody thinks they can do better than us. You know, it's not like an accountant or a lawyer. Everybody thinks they can coach. And that's just, you got to have thick skin. You go into it. But, you know, overall, I've, I've loved them. I've loved every one of them. I, I, I think they're fantastic. 
Good, I'm glad. Well, you can probably take a deep breath after this one, as this is the season finale, so to speak. And then I'm <laughs> gonna I'm gonna go on to guys that you haven't necessarily coached. So hopefully, hopefully in season two you can have a, a bit more of a deeper breath, hoping that nothing nothing too risky comes out. But we I think we did a good job. <laughs> there were some good stories in there. Um, so obviously on, yeah. on so so kind of piggybacking off that everyone's had their opportunity to kind of tell their story about where they started and how they ended up where they are. Obviously with yourself being, being our coach for the, for the, for the most part of that, I want to give you the opportunity to do the same thing in terms of how you ended up where you are now as, as a coach, kind of talk us through your journey a little bit. Okay. So I've been doing this 25 plus years in college. So I'm going to make this as brief and I'm going to tell you the most entertaining part of the entire thing. So how I got started was, I bought a house in Louisville and I'm going to make this day up like Monday on Thursday of that week. I got a phone call from a coach at, at the university of the Cumberland it used to be called Cumberland college. And he said, how would you like to come down and be my assistant coach? We're going to pay you this and we're going to do this and this and this. And I said, fine. I knew somebody wanted to buy my house. I sold it to them, packed up all my stuff, went to Cumberland. When I got down there, they told me that they were no longer going to have assistant coaches. So I was out of luck. Yeah. So they basically said, here's what we'll do for you. We will find you a job on campus, making minimum wage, and we'll pay for your college so you can get your degree because I didn't have an undergrad. Okay. So I was living in the backseat of my car, parked in the parking lot at the University of the Cumberlands, waking up every day, going to take a shower in the pool, going to class, and then I was overlooking the gym. That was what my job was. And one of my players saw me getting out of the car one morning when she was going for a run. I started as a women's coach. And um, they saw me going for a run. They went in, told the president that their assistant coach didn't have a place to live. They found me a place to live. And this apartment, Harry, had holes in the walls. Yeah. And I'm not talking little holes. I'm talking when I went to sleep at night, I could put my hand, my hand through the wall into the bushes. So there were days when I would come home and there would be animals in my bedroom. Yeah. So I remember one time coming home and there was actually a raccoon asleep in the middle of my bed. But that's all I could afford. But I wanted to be a college coach. Yeah. So that's what I did. And then finally, the, the school helped me, and I found another apartment. We moved on, moved on. So I ended up being the head coach at the University of the Cumberlands as the women's. Left there after like six years. I was one game away from being the all-time winningest coach. Went to Eckert College because I wanted to learn from another coach. Was the assistant coach for the men's program at Eckert College, where we had a lot of international players down there. Yeah. Um, Learned a lot there, left there, went to Coker College to coach women in South Carolina, yep. was there a couple years, left there, went to St. Catherine College, and I coached the Louisville Lightning, the semi-pro indoor soccer team uh, in Louisville, okay. uh, left there, and then we went to Midway, and that's where we are now. So yeah. Perfect. So, yeah, that definitely, a, definitely a long story short, but it's kind of cool to see how that, <laughs> how that, how that journey's, journey's kind of gone through. And you, you talked about there was a lot of international student, students at one of the schools, um, and we'll definitely get into that and, like, what, what kind of things you may have learned early doors in the, in the coaching process as to, as to how, how you use that kind of tactic now, because I'm sure there's tactics that you use. Um, yes. In terms of you said you wanted to be a college coach, what was, that dri what was the driving force to be a college coach? What made you want to do that? So I was coaching club for a long time and I just didn't feel like I was, I felt like I was a soccer coach. And we're, this is, this is where you're going to hear a lot from my former players that there were, this is the, the thing that 
was hard for me to do or to, to, to teach international players, but I wanted to have more influence on kids' lives. Yeah. Like I, I wanted to be a teacher. Um, so the way I wanted to do it was I wanted to have an influence on people's lives. And I, the way I looked at it was the ages of 18 to 25 are some of the most influential years of a young person's life. And I could have a high impact on their life and teach them life lessons and get them ready for the world. And so I knew that college was where I liked it. I liked the high level of soccer, but then I liked the maturity of the kids and watching them grow from being 18 years old to 25 and then, <laughs> and then moving on to doing things afterwards. Yeah. If that makes sense. Can you hear that thunder by the way? Yeah, you can, you can hear it, but it's not, it's not too bad. It's just kind of like a, a back, background mumble. And that, <laughs> that, that's pretty cool. That's, that's something that you definitely, obviously now I'm, I'm in college coaching myself and it's definitely something that you, you can see guys grow and mature. Even, even I've only been doing it for a year, but you can see the maturity levels of a freshman like growing into themselves after one year. So yeah. I'm sure. After yeah, you get, you get, it, it's just so fulfilling when you have a freshman that comes in and Again, it, it's not always about just the soccer. You have a freshman who comes in who his whole goal, his whole dream is to play college soccer, but he's never been taught what it's like to play college soccer at a high level, what the training sessions are like, what the demand is, stuff like that. But then he comes in, he's the first time away from home, he gets homesick, you know, maybe he meets a girlfriend for the first time or, you know, or, you know get serious girlfriend, and then you help them through it. And there's nothing more rewarding than a kid graduating who honestly walks up to you and says, I never would have graduated if it wasn't for you. Yeah. There is, there is nothing more fulfilling than that statement. And I get it all the time. Yeah. And that's why I'm a college coach. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, that's, that's, that's good to hear. And I mean, obviously you gave myself and many of the other guys the opportunity and uh, on an international level, but also you look at all the American guys that come through and, and I'm looking at someone like Kyle Robertson, knowing him from his freshman year to graduating with him senior year, it was, that was an amazing kind of transition to see. And, and I, I very much think that, that a lot of that was down to you kind of helping him out throughout his college, college career. And so, so kudos for that. Um, so you talked, we talked about the coaching, but how, what was your entry into soccer itself? So, so your playing experience, I, I guess, I guess you could say. So the way I started was soccer wasn't very big when I was a kid. It was baseball and football and basketball, of course. Yeah. And there weren't even any clubs. It was basically you played high school and then you were done. And in the off season, you played another sport. So with me, I played soccer in the fall and then I played baseball in the spring. Okay. And so when it got to going, you know, I was playing club or playing in the high school and stuff like that, playing at St. X High School in Louisville. And then there wasn't even a recruiting process. Like I was telling Stacy the other day that when I was going through this process, no one was helping me. There wasn't anybody saying, here's how you attract a college coach. We didn't have college showcases and yeah. stuff like that. You basically wrote a coach. You went to visit. If he liked you, he offered you money. And then that's where you went to school. So I didn't know about all this stuff. So I ended up at Western Kentucky University because my next door neighbor graduated from Western. So I went down, played at Western Kentucky for a couple years. Um, I got cut, actually. I registered in my freshman year, played my sophomore year. I got cut my junior year. And, um, yeah, so I got cut. And 
And so I didn't have anything else to do. So I came home and, and I was playing pickup in like an indoor facility in Louisville, Mocking Valley Soccer Club. And I got on a team in St. Louis, an indoor soccer team in St. Louis. I started traveling with this indoor soccer team in St. Louis and playing almost every weekend, every other weekend, stuff like that. And I just started playing like, like all the time, yeah. just all the time. And it's crazy because I was actually an indoor soccer player. I wasn't much of an outdoor soccer player. There just wasn't the leagues and the opportunities to play. Yeah. And, um, and then one day I just, I walked into the facility one day and he said, Tim, you ever thought about coaching? The owner did. And I said, not really, but I could use a job. He said, there's a U13 team out on the field right now. Go coach it. Right. And that's how I got started. That's awesome. And so I started coaching and playing and just kind of going back and forth for the longest time. I played in the USISL in Chattanooga for a little bit. Um, but then it was full-time coaching. I needed to pay bills. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, kudos to the the indoor as well, because I, I mean, once I graduated, I put, that was all I was really playing indoor and it's a completely different game. I, I, didn't it realize, is. I didn't realize how slow my feet were with the ball at my feet compared <laughs> until I got in there. But I think I actually adapted pretty well, but it's, it's a completely different game. Like it, it really is. Yeah, it was, it was much more physical and it was, um, you had to be more in sprint shape, I guess you can say, you yeah. know, and, you know, shorter shit and stuff like that. The, the tactics are different and stuff yeah. like that. 100% different. Yeah. So, so I want to talk a little bit more about, um, midway at the minute. So, so obviously as well, you're, you're coaching there. You're the head coach there. You've been there for, was it four years? Is this your fourth year? Yeah, this will be, this will be five, five years. Okay. Okay. So you're also, are you still um, teaching there as well? I am. I teach there. I teach in the sports management department. And I teach at the University of Louisville. I teach sports. I speak. I teach sports sociology at U of L. I teach sports psychology and sports communication at Midway. Okay. Yeah. The reason why I wanted to bring that up is because I remember when, like, when I was in college, I had you as a teacher for multiple classes. And, <laughs> um, I actually, I actually really enjoyed your classes. Like, in some, in some ways, your classes were difficult, but it was a lot of content to learn. But I, I feel like I can come out and I can safely say some of the classes I came out from you, I learned way more than I did in, in some other classes. So you, you can't, you, you can't honestly say anything nicer to me than that. I, I work really hard at being a teacher. Yeah. 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 Good. Well, I mean, if you, if you're teaching at university of Louisville, that says a lot about how, how good you are at it. So um, obviously, obviously the main point of the, the podcast is, is how we spoke about guys journeys internationally to the United States in whatever way, however they've done that. Um, so I wanted to kind of take a take a different stance on the on the final podcast of this season and, and kind of go to the guy that, that got us all over here, essentially. Um, so I'm going to break it down into a couple of different kind of ways of, of wording questions, and you can kind of elaborate from them. But essentially, if you're looking at international recruitment from a, from a ballpark kind of aspect, what are you looking for? How do you do it? And, and what kind of things are you thinking about in that whole process at the same time? Okay, so we'll start with Ashley Woods because okay. that's where this whole thing really does start. Yeah. So I was at St. Catherine College. I took over a program that was in disarray. Yeah. You know, it was, it was a mess. And basically what the president and the athletic director told me was, this is the worst team on campus. Cut everybody and start over. So there was 30 kids on the team. I cut 18 of them and sent them home yeah. and I started over. So I knew right away in the NAI, I was going to have to bring in internationals. Yeah. And this is the reason why 
a great American player is not going to go to Midway University. Nope. A great American player is going to go to University of Louisville, University of Kentucky, Notre Dame, schools like that. Yeah. International players just want to play football. That's, that's what they want to do. So what I basically had to do is I had to figure out, okay, I don't have 14 full scholarships. I basically have six. How can I take six scholarships, bring in kids of, a, of an American background and kids of an international background and mix them together? So I started with Ashley Woods. I, went, I flew to England, went to Lillishaw, I think was what it's called, spent two days in unbelievably cold weather watching an international showcase. Me and I think there was probably 30 or 35 coaches from all levels at this place. I talked to Ashley because I knew what I wanted. I needed somebody that was going to come over and was going to help me with my American players. He was going to teach them how to train because I couldn't teach them how to train. I can teach the training, but when it comes to the actual training part, I need help. I need players who can play. Yeah. Ashley Woods got offers everywhere. He was very, very humble on your podcast. He yeah. had lots of offers. He told me, basically, I believe in what you're doing. I will help you. And I promised Ashley, within his four years, we would make it to a conference championship game if he just believed in me. And he said, I'm with you. And he helped. Then came Marvin, Joe Jessup, you, Brad, Max, on and on and on and on and on. And it all started because Ashley built, helped me build it. Yeah. And what he did that was better than a, than a lot of kids, he did more than I could have ever asked, was he helped me with the American players. Yeah. Instead of getting fr- – he'd get frustrated in training. He would absolutely scream his bottom off at him. Yeah. But then he would walk with him to the dorm. And I can remember him leaving the soccer field with different kids every day. So when I look for an international player right now, that's what I'm personally looking for. I need an, I need an international player – who's going to take my team to the next level, knowing that there's going to be some kids on the team that may not be fantastic players. You know, they come, they're an American player who maybe wants to play college soccer, didn't have the opportunity to have a great high school coach. Maybe he didn't come from the best club, but I saw potential in them. And with the international players coming in together, we can make these kids work. Because, again, if I had 14 scholarships, you know, if I had a major amount of scholarships, I could bring in a ton of internationals. But I was never like that. I only had six scholarships. So I basically had to have a team of 25 to 30 kids on six scholarships. Yeah. Did I answer that question? I was kind of long-winded. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so, so obviously, Ashley started that whole thing. And then, obviously, Marvin Joe came. And then our big class that came in as well. By the, right. time, our, by the time our big class is coming in, are you still looking for, like you brought in, was it five or six of us from England? Um, yes. So at that point, are you still looking for five or six Ashleys or are you looking no. for different pieces? No. Yeah, yeah, no. What I was basically looking for then was, okay, I've got the good core players. Now I need game changers. Yeah. Now I need players that will play. And, and I think I told you guys this all along is I didn't really care. I, I wanted you to get a degree. I wanted you to do the best you could. I wanted you to represent the program the best you could. But I knew that the degree wasn't high on your list. And I think you said it in one of your podcasts, actually. You said, 
your dad said, look, just go and get the degree. Just do the best you can. And, Absolutely, yeah. That's and said, and yeah. I understood that. I understood that the degree wasn't a major priority. So that wasn't my, pro I, I wanted to win games. I promised Ashley that I would get him to a conference championship game before he graduated. To do that, I needed, I needed some game changers. So in came you and Kristoff from uh, one showcase, uh, Max from another, um, you know, Joe was already there from Bellarmine. Um, Marvin came from a Germany showcase that I went over to see. Whom I'm, oh, Brad. And then Brad knew and you Ross. guys. And Ross. Oh, Ross. Yeah, that's right. Ross, Ross too. Ross knew, I guess Ross knew one of the players. I can't remember. I, I didn't recruit. I don't think I actually recruited Ross. I think he was um, requested. To, you know, he was, um, um, someone said, here, you need, to, you need to talk to this kid. Yeah, yeah. So I think how, that's how Ross came in. But it turned out all right for Ross in the end anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's, you know, that's the great thing about it is I've never, you know, when Ross transferred to go South, he did it the right way. He walked into the office. He was a man. He sat down and said, look, I want to go someplace else. I, you know, he was honest about stuff and I helped him, you know, and we go and yeah. I, nope, never a problem with Ross leaving at all. Never. And good for him. He won a national championship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we, I remember we were all at Midway at the time, and we, I mean, we were just every game they just kept on winning, and we were like, Jesus Christ! Like he's going to win the national championship, and then oh yeah. Since then, you can say you can say he earned it, he earned it, and he got lucky in some respects as well. But every year since then, whether he's coaching or playing, where he's been in the mix again with national championship standard side so it, it really sent him forward for, for what he wants to do now as he's in the he's in the yeah. world now as well so good and, kid too man absolutely great kid i you know absolutely great kid so so okay so the season ended last year you you've gone back to the drawing table you're going right okay i'm gonna have to bring in some some guys to be able to co compete again i lost a big class um a couple of years ago when i need to get back to that kind of thing you sit down What's your first move? Are you go, what kind of, what's your, what's your thought process of how am I going to recruit an international student? Not in terms of what am I looking for, but how am I going to actively find that kid? And what kind of methods are you using to, to make sure you're finding the right, the right guy? Right. So basically what I had to do was when I recruited you guys and Marvin and I went to England, what I did was I sat down with a lot of the agents and I sat down with them and we had some beverages and I told them and I wanted them to know me and I wanted them to know what my expectations were and what I was looking for. And so I made a lot of connections then. So this year, what I had to do is I had to call those guys up again because it's been a couple of years. We know at Midway, after you guys left, I lost all that money and, yeah. you know, there, the scholarships just weren't there. And then, you know, this year it, it you know, rejuvenated itself and stuff like this. And, and so basically what I did was I called the old agents and I said, look, I'm back in it again. This is what I need. And the crazy part about it is I heard you guys talking about how the agents kind of fibbed to you guys and didn't exactly tell you all the truths and stuff like that. Well, that works for us as coaches too. Yeah. The amount of times I got video of players that were absolute donkeys that it was shocking. And, and what I had to do is I had to call the agent and say, hey, look, I'm trying to beat Lindsey Wilson here. I'm trying to beat Ryo Grand. This kid is not going to help me. And if you're not going to help me find somebody 
who's going to help me win games, then, then quit writing me. Yeah. yeah. Then yeah. I started getting the videos. Okay. So instead of traveling now overseas to actually see the players, stuff like this, now I have agents that I really do lean on. There, there's, there's five or six fully trustworthy guys that I can talk to on a regular basis that I know are going to steer me straight. And the reason for it is I will call a key, I will call an agent and say, I really want to talk to player A. And he'll say, Coach, he, he's not your player. And here's why. He's, he's difficult to deal with or, hey, he's just not very good. That video makes him look a lot better than what he is. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's the key to it. Okay. And so, and so for the listener's purpose, purposes, in terms of agencies, you say, you say you talk to specific agents. They obviously probably work for agencies. Right. Agencies that you will be regularly contacting for, for that kind of information. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I, I can't really tell you the agencies no. because I just deal with the agents. Okay. And to be honest with you, I don't really know who they work for. Like the company that they work for isn't important to me. No, yeah. It's, it's the agent himself. Yeah. And does that make sense? Like, no, I, no, know, I, I get no, it. I can't, I can't. And a lot of, and a lot of them, like for you guys, it was pass for soccer and it was a uh, first point yeah. when I first got into it. But now hell, Harry, there's every kid who, who leaves the American uh, college now starts his own agency. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I get legitimately, I, I counted today before I got on this podcast, I have legitimately 35 emails about international players that are still looking for a place to play this year. 35 yeah. emails. Wow. So, you know, that, that, that just shows you it's, it's crazy. Yes. It really is crazy. So, so that's how you do it now. But in terms of when you did used to go overseas and, and actively recruit and actively, actively have them conversations with the guys, like, was it just England and Germany that you've been to? Or did you ever have any trips that didn't necessarily come off? Is it always a successful? successful? Yeah, no. Yeah, it was mostly pretty successful. I, I, try to, I try to go on trips that I know is going to be successful. I don't just go to go. Yeah. Like, I, I, it's, to me, it's a waste of time. And, you know, I see a lot of these Division One coaches, and they're traveling all over the place. And they're going to, you know, Washington, you know, the state. And they're going all over the place. And they come home. and you look at the recruiting class and none of the kids come from that. And to me, that's a waste of time, yeah. you know? So I made sure that I was pretty prepared. I knew who I was looking at going into it for the most part. And then it was, <laughs> this is crazy. Um, and then it was basically, I needed to sit down with the kids. I liked going overseas because I liked sitting down with you guys. Cause yeah. I knew what kind of coach I was, and I knew that I needed players who were going to come in to help the American players to get better. So I needed to get to know the players, yeah. and that was so important to me now. Now I'm older. I've got the experience. I can do a lot of this over the phone. But when I first started recruiting internationals, it was very important for me to sit down with the players yeah. and talk to them Listen and say, look, this, this, is what, this is what I'm after. You know, it's an investment, really. Like it is, whether it's your money or not, it's it is an investment to the school in, on the school the school's half. So it is it is. It is, and and you know what? You don't want to you don't want the hassle of the drama. You know, you want to coach soccer. You want kids that will represent your program because at the end of the day, it's my job. You know, if I bring in a lot of international kids or American players and they're constantly in trouble, I'm not going to have a job very long. Yeah. You know, because I'm very replaceable. 
So you really do have to make sure that you bring in the right kids. And that's why I'm so proud. Like there, there's certain things that you guys will never understand about how influential you were at Midway. Yeah. The, you guys, you played on a awful soccer field for two years. Awful. But as soon as you left, the school said, you know what? Those kids were good kids. Your program's done very well. Let's build you a field. And we are basically playing on a carpet right now. I mean, it is, it is unbelievable. But it's because you guys came in and were great people. Yeah. You know, you, 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 three, three of you guys were academic All-Americans. Two of you were, um, you know, departmental students of the year. I think all of you at some point were first team all conference, I think, right? Most of you? Yeah, I'm pretty sure, yeah. yeah. You know? So, and you're still talked about. Janice and Craig still talk about you every time I see them. <laughs> you know? You're still talked about throughout campus all the time. So your legacy is so important to our program. And I think that's the part that gets lost a lot of times and, and you know, talk about a lot of stuff. But your legacy that you guys left, all of you, all the internationals, all the American players who played there, it is, you, you just will, you, you won't be forgotten for a very long time. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. All righty. So, obviously, it sounds like you did a pretty good job for your, for your international recruitment. You're pretty happy with what you've got. And, and we, we show, showed the right light on, on, on how we kind of left our legacy, so to speak, as what you, as what you were just talking about. Right. Now, obviously, there is sometimes a lot of hiccups. So, you could get the guy but then there's still a lot of hurdles to jump over, such as like the, the SAT exam or um, the visa. Have you ever had any students who may not have been at St. Catherine or Midway, like any students that you, you found the right person, but then there's, there's more hurdles to that and you can't get them over the line because of maybe things on their end or uh, visa problems and stuff like that? Um, not so much. I, I think I did a lot of the background. And again, if you have the right agent, that comes from the right agencies, they can take care of a lot of this stuff. And, and again, there's a lot of really bad ones out there. You know, this year I dealt with some, I dealt with a couple, you know, I'm bringing in one player this year who's, whose agent was very difficult. He, I couldn't get a hold of him a lot. You know, we had a lot of problems with some stuff. The parents had questions. And, and then when they got to me, they were like, well, hold on a second. Why do we have to do this? What is in cred? What is, this what is this and I'm like didn't your agent tell you about this stuff yeah no oh well okay you know and this was after after they committed the play then they would say well why do we have to pay $150 for this and why do we have to pay $150 for that and I'm like well that has nothing to do with me that is eligibility that is getting your transcripts um uh you know transferred or uh you know whatever it is and you know, and, and so that was, that's really the only hurdle that I have, you know, most times for the internationals, a lot, a lot of times, honestly, it's easier in the NAI to get the internationals. It, it, it takes longer, yeah. but you know, you, it, 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 for a long time, you had to get a top half of your class letter. Okay. Well, anybody could write that letter. Well, they did. I know some of the guys. That, <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> anybody, anybody could, you know, and yeah. you know, I will say this. I remember one time I was recruiting an Irish player who we were all ready to go and he he was found ineligible and this may have been the year I was bringing you in as well um his name was Connor I remember and he's a great kid and I remember the NAI said you're not going to have any eligibility because you played in this league 
And so I called the kid and I said, what kind of league is this? He said, it's a Mickey Mouse league. It's like a Sunday pickup league. But in that league, there was a team that was coached by a guy who used to play Juventus. And so that whole league was now ruled ineligible. So if you played in that league, you were deemed ineligible. So when this whole first thing started coming out, it was really hard because you had to go in and see, okay, what league did you play in? You know, and then I had to go through the list and find out whether that league was off limits. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's not like that anymore. It's yeah. it's so much easier now. I was going to say you must have been getting slip some slip some money under the under the. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. that sounds that sounds strange. But how, how about it at right now? Has has the whole pandemic affected your international recruitment in any way? No, it's yeah. it's actually been easier. Well, the only thing, okay, the recruiting process. No, it's been a lot easier because now. They're waiving the SAT scores. They're waiving the ACT scores. Now you just have to have a 2.0 GPA okay. um, to be eligible. So, no, recruiting-wise, no. The problem is now the countries are not letting kids get their visas. Yeah. So now it's a process of the kids not being able to get into the embassies to get their, you know, their visas to come across. And then some countries are just basically saying, no, we're not, we're not allowing you to leave the country. So, you know – that's it, which is, I mean, that's a very difficult part. The recruiting process, no. Getting them out of the country right now, yes. So, so there's a likelihood that potentially some guys, wherever in the country, may not even make it out here, even if they. Right. Yeah. There, it's still, and, and I've talked to a lot of guys, a lot of other coaches, and they're having the same problems. It's, you know, there are certain countries that are just saying, no, you, you know, we're not letting you out. And they're like, well, I've got to be at school by August 15th. Yeah. Well, you know, your, your visa interview is august the 28th yeah so you know yeah that sucks that that really does suck finally finally just to kind of finish about the whole international recruitment recruitment kind of thing is is there any funny stories any stories that that stick out like as soon as i say that question is there something that you <laughs> instantly think of yeah so i was amazed ashley didn't bring up this story so I go to Little Shell to watch um, the, the soccer showcase. And, there's, and I, I heard him say that, you know, you split them up on the teams. And they walked out and they actually gave them, like, kits to wear. So you had different kits yeah. and stuff like this. You watch teams. Ashley missed four breakaways. Not saved by goalkeepers. Missed breakaways. Missed them. Yeah. And I remember coaches just going, oh, that kid's, that kid's awful. Oh, like kids, whatever. And I was like, yeah, but he's getting the breakaways. Like he's, he's making the proper runs. I can fix that other part. Yeah. yeah. So I remember sitting there and, and I, we said, Joe Ashley and I still talk about it. He had an awful game in the showcase that I saw him at. And then I remember coming home and I telling Stacy and, and Stacy, I told Stacy, I was like, I'm bringing in this kid. How was he? Well, he missed four breakaways. Well, what are you bringing him in for? Cause I, I think he's a good player. Yeah. And, and so that was kind of the, the thing is you go to these showcases and these kids are trying really, 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 really hard. And you have to be able to pick out and kind of see something. I always say all the time that player identification is probably one of the most underrated coaching aspects that we have is the ability to identify players. You're looking at it and, completely uh, differently. Huh? Looking at a game completely differently. Yeah, completely differently. And then seeing if that kid can mix in with the players you already have. Mm 
exactly. Yeah. And but that was that that to me was was one of the funniest ones. Uh, you know, was going over. I remember sitting down with Marvin and his parents, and his parents didn't speak any English. No. And I remember sitting in a in a little room off to the side, and um, and talking to Marvin and doing his translation because his parents were asking me questions and Marvin's translating for me and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, when I went to, when I went to fly over to, to see Marvin play, I, I had Marvin on my radar, but on my plane was Lindsey Wilson's head coach, um, Hastings out of Nebraska, yeah. one of the top 10 teams, their head coach was, was there. A couple of D2 schools out of Florida was on this plane. And I remember we landed and, they got us off the plane. They took us to the field. And then for three hours, we sat at this field because the showcase didn't start till later on in the day. They didn't take us to the hotel to, to shower. We didn't, they said they were going to feed us. And it was like, um, I don't know, like protein bars and just bottles of water. And I remember us showering, kind of cleaning ourselves up in this restroom of this field. Yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh, what am I doing? What am I doing here? So that's your taste of Germany. Yes. <laughs> so, so I, I told this story with Christoph's podcast and I can't remember if it was fully factual, but do you remember what happened on the tube? Like, do, do you remember fully what happened? Like, I think you asked me which state, cause you told me which station you needed to get to. And I was on the tube with you going back to wherever, I think I was going back to King's cross to get my train back to Lincoln. And you said you needed to go to X, x station and obviously you had to jump off one train and get on a different line well i've literally almost i basically pushed you off the train because the doors were about to push <laughs> you remember that and then you know yeah you did <laughs> yeah i was because it, it was hard for me because i didn't understand how the train system worked and stuff like that and you and i were talking and then i remember it just being a panic like do i get off here no i don't think so maybe it is or maybe you should and then you looked up at a sign and then i think it was all over with yeah like I, I really do. I think, I think, did you push me off? I don't like, think I you say you, I basically said you need to get off here. And it was very much almost a push. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah. And then, and then I remember sitting there going, okay, now what? <laughs> I got off the train. I went, okay, now what? Yeah. And then, I, and then everybody was really nice and helped me out. Cause I looked like a dumb American walking around the train station. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny. That's funny. So I guess, I guess my, I said that was going to be my last question, but I guess one last question from from all your years of having international players on your team, I would say we've learned a lot from you, from America, and our whole experience here over here. But have, has having international guys on your team helped you learn maybe some things in in terms of soccer or in terms of your life in general? Have we have we contributed to you in any way? In Absol absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So not just in the soccer style, but. I don't, again, I don't think, I know a lot of the podcasts, you guys focus on the level of play and disappointment and stuff like this of, of a lot of levels. The influence you guys had on my family was crazy. Mm -hmm. To this day, my kids still talk about Ashley. My son still talks about Marvin. You know, my kids still talk about Harry and Max and Brad, and they still tell stories. My wife, still tell stories you know and that's just the off the field stuff because you know my kids may have not ever had the opportunity to be around someone from england or germany or panama or you know where spain or chile stuff like that 
and you guys could not have been nicer to my family. And I hope my family was nice to you guys as well. I know we, we hosted you guys a lot of times for Thanksgiving and, and, you know, stuff like that and bonfires and, you know, stuff like that. When we lived on the farm going fishing, that's one story that I'll never forget is taking everybody fishing, um, you know, the first year, but, and then the, the soccer side of it is always a learning process. Always. Yeah. I heard Christian, Christian talk about, you know, my coaching style of the championship game and stuff like that. And the, the one thing that I always took out of all the podcasts was, yes, I learned. Like, I'm very proud of myself at the fact that I made mistakes, but I always learned from them. Yeah. And it was because you guys helped and you were very, you communicated very well with stuff. Yeah. And, you know, and then a lot of it's my assistant coaches. I pride myself on having good assistant coaches. Yeah. I pride Simon Bird will always be one of the one of my favorite coaches I've ever coached with. He was fantastic. I love I had yeah. I had I yeah and I heard about the, you know I a lot of stories about the meeting, the famous meeting. Yeah. Um you know I had Daniel Bird who was the assistant coach for Orlando City. I had Boise Kamala who played at uh, DC United. I had um Josh Mulvani who was fantastic um as a as an assistant coach. And I pride myself on that because as a college coach, I've got other stuff, yeah. you know, I've got, I've got kids that are homesick and crying and FaceTiming their moms every night. And I've got an athletic director who comes in and says, Hey, your, your players are doing this and I have to deal with this. And I've got players that are, you know, just different, different tech, you know, not going to class or, or whatever it is. So I needed, strong personalities as assistant coaches and I love the fact that my assistant coaches were not yes people they weren't people who sat around and said yes Tim yes let's do that yes yeah. if they didn't like it they told me and that made me better yeah same with my players I was always proud of myself on the fact that I would listen to you yeah I may not always agree but I listened to you what do you think about this what do you think about this one of the podcasts mentioned the, the penalty kicks and I should have already had names down. Yeah. That wasn't my coaching style. My coaching style was, okay, look, this is your team. Who's comfortable? Because if I would have picked five and then that I tell them ahead of time and this kid's not having a very good game. Now I've got to change it. Yeah. So basically I went into that final game thinking to myself, okay, it's your game. Who feels it? And whether it's right or wrong, it's still that's that's my coaching style. So yes, I learned a lot because I listened to you. you guys. You guys were very good at coming in and saying, "Coach, can we do this or can we move this around?" And then we would have conversations, and I liked it. Yeah. So one yes, of, you guys definitely helped me out. Yeah. One of the ones that sticks out to me when we talk about that is the senior year when we played our first game. We lost ten nil. Horrible game to be a part of, and then we played the second game and we lost four nil. And I think we were playing in a, a bit of a three five two, or I yeah, want to word it. We were playing with two wing back fullbacks who weren't necessarily the right guys for the for that position. And we had a we had a film a footage kind of kind of meeting, and it was I don't think he was there. I think it was just Josh. Josh was there, and we all kind of just it turned into like a bit of an open forum of everyone basically saying like, look. I don't think I don't think this three at the back is working for us, and, and I don't think it was. And I think Josh took that in. I, he must have gone to you, 
Yep. What happens next game? We change it back to four at the back. What do we go and do? We go and beat Union, nationally ranked team. <laughs> so it was, it was, that's something that I always, I'm happy that you changed that because that probably took, took a lot of like pride to swallow and for kind of sure it did. that way. But, but like we, we, we weren't comfortable and a lot of coaches would have just gone, no, I'm playing, this is my style. Um, and I don't think it was a, a, like a, re- a revolution in terms of we, we, we weren't going to play that style, but we just could tell from our personnel that we, we were more suited to maybe the four at the back. So that's something that when I talk about that or, or what you just spoke about, that's something that instantly sticks into my mind in terms of. Yeah, that's, yeah. I just think if you're going to coach kids, one, they have to have some, some sort of um, ownership. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 their, it's their game. They're playing. They're in it. And they, you guys, as you play the game, sometimes you'll walk off and say, look, this isn't working, or can you change this up, or things like that. And then as a head coach, I can't be always weak and say, oh, yeah, let's just change it. I've got to think about it and think, okay, maybe he's right here. And like you said, putting your pride aside, because it's not just my game, it's your legacy as well. It's, you know, I I tell my players now, how are you going to be remembered when you leave? And my decisions have a lot to do with how you were looked at in the future or how I'm looked at in the future. And so, you know, that, that was key. And when Josh came in, I remember the conversation, Josh coming in and, and talking about it. And I remember us writing it on the board and, and, and running some stuff through and thinking about it. And then I remember leading into that union game, we worked on sitting in, I don't know if you remember this, but yeah. we worked on it and we worked on it and we worked on counterattacking. And we said, if we could get a couple free kicks or get a couple counterattacks, we could win this. Yeah. And then that was it. That union game changed everything. Really I mean, did. everything. Yeah, it really did. It really did. Yeah, that was, that was, that was the turn of that season for sure. Um, so, so to kind of wrap it up, is there any other stuff that you want to kind of talk about in terms of international recruitment or can we get on to some other good questions? Is there anything? Nah, go ahead. So I, I, I love the fact that when we started this, I said, look, don't tell me what you're going to ask me. <laughs> throw it at me and see what, let's see what happens. Well, so go ahead. I was, I was going to initially ask you to name a, a 11 of like I have done with the guys, but it's probably not the best kind of question to ask considering you, for 25 years you've been coaching. Yeah. One, a t- very tough thing to have to even think about. But secondly, uh, I'm sure most of the, players on that list probably don't even listen to the podcast so that's probably <laughs> well you know I, yeah because when when we when I discussed it when I thought about it I thought okay one it's not fair to the young ladies that I coached because there were some really good young ladies that, that I coached Amanda Harbour and you know Holly Bach and you know Stephanie Foster they, there were some really good young ladies then I went to Eckert man there were some fantastic international players down there that 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 I would have to put in there and stuff like that but overall, I was thinking about this today. The big thing is, if I'm going to be a coach that's going to talk about being a good person and graduating and being, um, you know, if I'm going to stand to my standards of, it's not just soccer, it's about growing as a person, yeah. then I can't really do a starting 11 because it goes against what my philosophy is. Does no, that make I, sense? I, yeah, absolutely. I, 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 when, you, when I kind of mentioned it initially, I, I thought, wow, yeah, that makes complete sense. I, I, I think, yeah. And even, yeah, I, I completely, when you said it, I was like, oh, yeah, that was, that's a tough thing to kind of ask somebody to do. But I have got some other kind of questions that it could be of anything. So the first, okay. one, the first one that I kind of want to ask, and it is similar to what I asked the guys, is, is there, what's, what's, the favorite, what's your most favorite game you've ever coached? What's one game 
and I, there's probably still loads. What what is one or two games that you just think that was one of my favorite ever games that I've ever been a part of as a coach? Uh, so there's two, I, the, and and, there, and it's going to shock you because one of them's a really good story and the other one isn't. But my first one is the first time we made it to the conference championship game against Lindsey Wilson. Yeah. Uh, the game before that, we played Campbellsville, mm-hmm. and I always – I get nervous before games. And I went – after the national anthem, I ran across the field around to the restroom. When I came back, Ashley had scored twice. We were up 2-0. Yeah. And I thought, I'm just going to go back to the bathroom. <laughs> like, I, that this is this, – I'm just going back to the bathroom. Yeah. And – so we beat Camels. Is that right? We beat yeah, Camelsville in the semis, right? Cumberland, Tennessee, that we beat in the semis. It was okay it was in the semis. It was at Camelsville. It was at Camelsville. That's right. Okay, yeah. So then we went to. Uh, so then we played Lindsey Wilson. That that Lindsey Wilson game was the most fun I ever had coaching. Yeah. Um, because I thought you guys, you were freshmen, you didn't know what you were getting into. Oh, <laughs> you were like. Little kids in a candy store. You loved it, you know? And it, was, and it was rewarding for me to see Ashley finally make it to what I promised him. Yeah. My second favorite game is the game when we started at Midway and we went to Rio, and I heard you guys talk about this too. Pouring down rain. Joe Jessup's parents are there. We yeah. give up three goals in the first half. Basically, they score one goal in the second half, and I thought, we're going to be pretty good. Yeah. Even though we got beat 4-0, I thought for a team that we threw together in two weeks after a school closed, we're going to be pretty good. That game I had more fun at than, than, I, than, I'd ever, than I'd ever coached, I think. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And then similarly, as I've asked, what's the best goal or couple of goals that you that stick out to you in, in your coaching career that you can uh, uh, like say that's that was something that I will never forget all right so this one I'll tell you about the goal that that's the most memorable for me the two goals but it doesn't have anything to do with anybody on this podcast or that's, that's been on the podcast that's, that's the whole part of it yeah okay so I am coaching at St. Catherine our first year we are playing west uh we're playing with West Virginia Tech we are down, I think it was 1-0 late in the game. We get a corner kick. I look up, and our goalkeeper – now, this team was a throw-together team. The first day I took over, the kids weren't wearing shin, socks over their shin guards. They were wearing cut-off sleeves on their shirts. It was a mess. Yeah. We're playing West Virginia Tech. They're much better than us. Late in the game, ball goes down the corner. It's a corner kick. I look up, and my goalkeeper is sprinting all the way down past our bench, and he's screaming, I'm going, I'm going, coach, I'm going. And I'm like, all right, go, go, whatever. We serve the ball in. He miss. the ball goes over everybody. My goalkeeper swings. He mishits it with the front foot, hits it with his back foot, and the ball goes in the goal. No way. Yeah. So we tied one – it's tied 1-1. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is fantastic. My goalkeeper just ran 80 yards and scored a goal with his wrong foot. So it goes into overtime, and Patrick Williams, my captain of the team uh, of the of the team that year, scores the game-winning goal in overtime, yeah. and place goes bonkers. Yeah, bonkers. People are running all over the place. Everybody's taking off their shirts and swinging them around. I'm like, 
you know, Jim Valvano in basketball, I'm running around trying to find somebody to hug and nobody's around anywhere. And if you ask the players that year, I gave, and I'm not going to tell you what the speech was, but I gave the greatest motivational speech in the history of motivational speeches I before that game. I know the speech. I won't repeat it. But I'm <laughs> I, I think still, it might be Patrick. Still, Patrick told me the story at Justin, Justin Mills's uh, bachelor party. I think, I think he told me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So that, th those two goals right there were probably two that stood up. And then you've got, you've got Brad Wilson's goal against Union. And then, of course, you can't forget the goal that everybody still talks about, Joe Jessup's oh. left-footed volley um, against Point Park. Uh, that, that goal, I don't care where you are. The, the head coach of Point Park still talks about it to this day to me. Really, it was such a such a great goal. Yeah, oh, it was unbelievable, unbelievable. I, I I've never seen anything like it either. On, on it. no, <clears throat> nope. All right, so so you've got through the tough questions. I think I think on that one, <laughs> I, I wondered how you how you take them. So there's the burning question that anybody who's been involved with us over the, over the past so many years of you being at Saint Catherine and and then the transition to Midway, and it's it's got to be in a nutshell or a, a broad, like a shorter version, talk to me about when St. Catherine closed. Like, how, how did that affect you as a coach? Obviously, we've spoke about it as players, um, but you did a lot of background work for us in that process as well. But how did, how did that affect you as, as a coach? Personally, it was really hard because I didn't know what was going to happen to me. Yeah. Like, I was unemployed. You know, that was, that was the first – that was the first thing was – you know, we all kind of knew the school was in trouble. So it wasn't like it was, you know, out of the blue. Yeah. Now the ending, the final, when they called us into the meeting, that part was, was out of the blue. My first thought was, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay my bills? Yeah. And then my second question was, okay, what about the guys? Mm -hmm. What am I going to do? I made, I made a promise to these players that I was going to take care of them. And you know, that's the, that's one of the things that I've always prided myself as a coach is, is I make promises to players, no matter what their skill level is, no matter where their background is, I promise you, I'm going to take care of you for four years. Yeah. And so that happened. And so my first thing was, okay, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a, you know, I'm going to be a good guy about this. I'm going to return every email and every phone call. And I did every coach who wrote me, asking me about the players, I wrote back. Every phone call that I got, I called back. And some of them were very cold. Some of them were very, hey, coach, sorry about your job. Hey, can I talk to Harry Kerwin? You know, and then some of them were very, look, I don't know how to approach this. I'm uncomfortable, but can I speak to? Yeah. But I returned every phone call, every email that I got, and then I left it up to you guys to figure out where you wanted to go. And then even when Midway came along, I told you, look, there's an opportunity here, but if you want to go, I will help you get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I remember even when Midway opened, there was still opportunity. I think I nearly went to uh, Open City. Yes. Indiana. And I, and I just looked at, I remember speaking to like Brad and Callum and Joe at the time and uh, Colby. And they were like, and Max, they were like, like we're all getting an apartment together. Like we're going to be in the middle of Lexington. Like you might as well stick it out with the lads. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Like why do I, why do I want to throw myself into a completely new situation where I, I had made really good friendships over them two years. And it was the best. I'm so glad I, I stuck with it because I could have gone there and I would have probably hated it. <laughs> well, I'm glad you stuck with it too. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I mean, I was glad in the end. 
so what was it what was it that you always said about saint catherine you said something you, you never said its name or something like that for like the first couple of years you said like the other school or something was it is that yeah right? i call it i call it that other school i, I won't use that name I, I i still to this day won't wear a shirt no. with the with the with that name on it i call it that other school and everybody who knows me in my classes and everything when they speak to me they always say hey that other school <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so off the off the back of like the saint catherine closing down we, we shot out on Twitter, like, if you want to ask some questions to Tim, and, and I think you saw the tweet. So Janice, of, of the better half of Janice and Craig, you could say, um, <laughs> she, uh, she, asked, she asked what your thought process was with it being a first-year program at Midway, how you thought it was going to be accepted, because obviously it was an all-girls school as well. How, right. how you thought it was going to get accepted in, in comparison to how it was received if that makes sense yeah so i will say that of all the years i've ever coached that i'm more proud of that coaching year than anything else because we basically had two weeks to put a team together what did we have we had english players we had spanish-speaking players we had panamanians um you know we had american players who didn't play club and, you know, it wasn't like that, that first year team, we had no preseason. We had one uniform, a, a yellow uniform. Yeah. So, you know, it was thrown together in two weeks and we finished third in the conference behind Lindsay or behind Rao Grand. I think they were fifth in the country and West Virginia Tech, which was maybe eighth in the country. We finished third. Yeah. Am I not mistaken? That's right. Right. Oh yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we had, you you had to take players and mix them together. That was the hardest part yeah. was taking kids. You guys had never played together before. You weren't friends. You didn't know each other. You spoke different languages. Yeah. And my job was to try to put everybody on the same page. Mm -hmm. And that right there was probably the, as a year goes, that was probably the hardest I've ever worked, but it was the most fulfilling. Yeah, if that make if that makes sense. And the, there was an all girls school for 169 years. And I remember one of the people at, at Midway saying, "Look, you're going to catch some crap. This was an all girls school for 169 years. We're we're going co-ed. You're the first team. You're going to catch some crap." Yeah. And we never did. It, it, everybody loved it. Everybody got behind the team, and man, it was just fun. You know, looking back at it now, it was fun. Going through it, it wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> no. Most fun. no. In hindsight, every it, it was fun, but yeah, there was times where it was it was rough. It was, it was definitely thrown together. But I, like you said, I think it was like awesome how we how we took it to the the next level of of what we. Yes. Like, arguably, arguably, we got lucky at times, but we had no right to be in the positions we were in. But we earned them. But yes. We, yeah, and you know, you look like I I look back at it now, and 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 I wish that you take someone like Paul. Yeah. Okay. His first year he comes in, he plays center back, okay, because we didn't have another center back. Right. It was you and him. And he's legitimately a center midfielder. I mean, it's, he's, he's so good with the ball, so technical and stuff like that. But he did what he, what he was asked to do. He, he played center back that, that first year. The second year we moved him into the midfield. I think all the time, I'd like someone like Paul, I'm like, man, I wish I could have had him for four years. Yeah. You know, Nelson, I wish I could have had him for four years. But I only had him for two. And for Paul, I had to move him around. I, I, you know, we didn't have a lot of training sessions. You know how college is. You play every three games or every three days. Yeah. And so, you know, 
just you look back at you guys and you guys did everything I asked you to do to the highest level. And, you know, I, I, it was, it was just, it was, it was a great achievement. Yeah. Yeah. No, thoroughly enjoyed them, them years. And especially Janice, Janice, I hope I answered your question. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll find out if you didn't. I'm sure. I'm sure you'll have to to answer if not. So there was just a couple of things um, that I wanted to kind of bring up at the end. The first one, first one's more of a confession. So, um, <laughs> um, so basically, when you, when you first recruited me, um, you followed me on Twitter. And at the time, I was like, well, I'm still private on Twitter, but you followed me. And for whatever reason, I didn't have anything bad on my social media or whatever, but I was just really nervous about having you because I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. So I, I never accepted the follow request. And then obviously after like three or four weeks, I would have been more than happy to have accepted it. But you followed me like two months before I came out. So, and this is no joke, like no joke. I, I think I finally accepted that follow request on Twitter like less than a year ago. I think that was when I finally <laughs> My whole four years in college, when I would go on Twitter, I would have a follow request from Tim Wells for the full four years. And it was just because it got to a certain point when I was like, I can't accept it now. It's too, it's too late. Now. <laughs> but, too obvious now. Yeah, I know. It, so I, I had to get that off my chest because that's, <laughs> I don't even, probably didn't even notice. But for all these years, I thought you probably thought I was a, I was a, ignored. you know, that, that is, that is kind of, it's kind of funny because I was a social media hater for yeah. a long time. I, you guys know this. I, I preached about what you posted on your social media accounts and stuff like that. And then after a while, I just realized I couldn't police it anymore. So I, I, I to be honest with you, Harry, I, I don't even get on it. I post stuff about my team and my family yeah. and that's, that's about it for me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, I just wanted to just to tell that story. Cause, cause it <laughs> made me laugh. Like, I would used to say to the guys like, "Oh, look, I've got Tim. Like, I've I've not followed him for however long." But I just thought I just thought it was funny. Um, yeah. Is there is there any is there anything that you want to rectify or adjust from previous stories or anything that have been told throughout the the podcast? Because I, I know we spoke about it a little bit. There's some some stories were a little bit off off the off the truth not necessarily in a bad way but we were missing right. important facts is there anything that that you you want to use this platform for right now yeah so there's one that i was thinking about today and that was it was christians of christians uh podcast okay. he was talking about my speech before the championship game yeah and he said that you know all tim wanted all tim talked about was making sure we shook hands after the game if we lose and that's not even close to the speech yeah. because I had two going into it. The first one was if I walked in and I saw you guys were all jacked up, I was going to give a let's calm down because you guys weren't very good when you got all jacked up. When, when people got in your head, you guys weren't very good. Brad would lose his temper. You know, Max would get off his game a little bit. Even you would get off your game a little bit. So I I wanted to have that ready. Then the other one was if you guys weren't jacked up, I was going to try to give you a, 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 a let's go speech. Yeah. So I walked in and I remember seeing you guys and there was a serious nervous energy in there. Yeah, there was. Yeah. And basically what I said was, look, you're on your home field. Nothing about this game is much different. You have players that are, you, you have, you know, Janice and Craig are still sitting in the same spot. They always sit. Yeah. There is no grass on the field, just like there's not been grass on the field all year. Yeah. You have the Panamanian young ladies in the stands. They're going to yell and scream. There's still going to be parents sitting up and down the sidelines. 
the atmosphere is the same. It's just, it's a championship game. And that was my talk. It wasn't, hey, if we lose, let's go shake hands. That, that's, that wasn't even, like, the major part of it. If that's what Christian got out of it, then I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> but that, that, wasn't, that, wasn't, that wasn't it, you know? I knew you guys would get jacked up for it. You were professional players. You're, it, that wasn't the atmosphere. The atmosphere was, look, guys, play your game. Do the best you can. If we win – fantastic if we don't we're going to go out with sports with good sportsmanship because if you remember the West Virginia Tech game the first time we played them it wasn't friendly it wasn't it, it was very oh no it was it, it was an yeah it was a very angry game so I wanted to make sure that we that we did talk about that look we're going to shake hands after the game but that wasn't the main point of that there was so much more to that talk no. than than just hey let's shake hands if we lose no I would agree. you know I think I think when I look back on that team talk, I don't remember it that well because I I think you're right when you say that there was a nervous energy in there. But when he said that, I was like, no, I'm not sure that was like the full the full point of the story. Like, I mean, maybe there was element of truth in terms of like, yeah, we win, we we win or lose, and we're gonna handle ourselves right. appropriately. But yeah, I I I tried to take myself back to that speech really, and I and I couldn't really. I couldn't, yeah, I just. I just remember saying, hey, look, you know, Janice and Craig are still sitting down there on the end of the, the bench, yeah. you know, or at the end of the field. The, the, the parents are still sitting over there. They're still, you know, and I remember this trying to make you guys laugh. But there's still no grass on the field. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, and, and that was kind of the, the point of that, that, that part. I think that was most of, most of them I didn't, the stories were pretty good. I, you know, I, you know, it, it, the crazy part about it, Harry, is I go back to school and so many people come up and say, man, I heard so-and-so's podcast. You must be very proud. And, I'm, and I'd say, well, yeah, I'm very proud of all the guys. And like, no, the way they talk about how you were a father figure to them, yeah. that, that is so incredibly nice. And I'm like, yes, that you can't, be, you can't say anything nicer to me. I'm taking kids away from their homes. You were coming, as you say, across the pond. <laughs> My job is to make you a better soccer player, but to make you a better person. Yeah. And you know, the soccer part of it is important. I'm still competitive. I'm still, you know, I still love coaching the game. But every player, I hope, that was on this podcast, when they graduated, they were better people than they were when that first got a hold of them. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of people writing me and say, hey, you know, were you, did this make you mad? No, no, I no. There was nothing on any of the podcasts that made me upset or mad or anything like that. I, I was, I'm appreciative of every player who played. I'm, I'm unbelievably grateful for every kid who I'm very humbled. Whenever a kid says, I want to come play for you. Yeah. That's very humbling. Is, yeah. And you know, you do the best you can. Sometimes you get it right. Sometimes you get it wrong. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think you, I think you got it very right for, for the most part with us all. So we, we really appreciate it on our end as well, because like you said, whether we, we take we took it for granted at the time or not, you, you gave us a, a very cheap education, whether we valued that at the start or not, you gave us a cheap education, you gave us a good platform of soccer to play on, um, and, and you obviously gave us life experiences that none of us are ever gonna ever gonna forget and we're still living in some respects as well, some of us. So Yeah. You know, listen listening to you guys talk about them all the time, you can tell that they weren't miserable experiences. You guys all laugh a lot, you you tell fantastic stories and you know, hopefully I'm, I'm recognized as somebody who gave you that opportunity. And 
Um, so you just do the best you can. And I'm very proud. Of, I'm very proud of what I've accomplished. And, and I'm very proud of everybody who graduated and went on to do other things. I'm very, very proud of all of, of everybody. Brilliant, brilliant. And you talk about the stories that I uh, will be honest, there has been stories that had to get edited out, not necessarily bad ones in terms of about you, but stories that definitely shouldn't be aired on. on, on <laughs> I think. I yeah, think that's, that's, that's all part. Of the, yeah, that's all part of the college experience. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I didn't think any of you guys were angels when you came over. No, definitely not. Well, Marvin, Marvin got way too comfortable in his and I had, a, I had an hour <laughs> editing out his one. Um, yeah, there's been there's been some funny stories that we've we've had a good laugh about, but I was like, I'm not going to put that in there. To be honest, I think some of my players listen to this podcast as well, so I'm like, I don't think I could show my face at work if they listen to. Right, stories. right, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Those are those are stories we'll we'll share off off camera and off exactly. off uh, off podcast off microphone. Exactly, exactly. All right, well, if you if you've got nothing else to add today. Um, I was about to call you coach then. I guess I'll call you coach. Um, I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it, uh, Tim. It's been it's been great to kind of catch up and also hear some some kind of aspects and perspective of things that I guess I've never really asked about as well. And, and for the purpose of the podcast, it's been enjoyable to kind of get that that other side of the the line, so to speak, perspective. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It's just yeah. The whole thing. It's just sometimes it's just hard for players to understand. There's a business. It's like I think you said on one of the podcasts. It's a business, and yeah. you know, I, it's it's not just. I've got so many kids that you've got to deal with and problems and stuff that are non-soccer related. Because again, my job is to develop people and that's what I hope I'm good at. You definitely, you definitely developed, developed most of us into good people. So um, I'm speaking for most of us when I say thank you very much and thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And uh, I hope, I hope. To see yeah. You. yeah. It's a great podcast here. You do a really good job. Thank you very much. Cheers, Tim.